Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now, and now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, South Mississippi Boat Show on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, uh, the show that celebrates the men and women who make Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. <clears throat> hey, this morning I was going through my newsletters, and of course it's no big surprise to people who listen to this show regularly that as a former media guy, I get a lot of newsletters that hit my inbox every day. And uh, I'd like to read a wide variety of, of, of uh, sources to, to try to understand what's going on in the world, what's going on in Mississippi, what's going on locally. And I ran across a quote that I have shared many times on, on this show, but to me, it sort of shares the essence of coastal Mississippi. When I talk about us being resilient because of all that we've been through, the battles that we've had because of the disasters and the way we come together and the way we help each other, the thousand points of light that I like to talk about. This quote from credit Scott King so well captures you know, the essence of this show and the people that I have the opportunity to celebrate here every day. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Boy, do we know that so well. And I think, I think credit Scott King nailed it when she said that. We're lucky here in Coastal Mississippi to understand that it's at the, at the heart of this community are great people. At the heart of Mississippi are really good people, which uh, brings me to today's guest. I am so thrilled to have Sid Salter join me today. He's an old friend in media. He's, he's currently the chief communications officer and the director of public office of public affairs at Mississippi State University. We have a lot to, to catch up on, and uh, there's some cool things happening here in, in coastal Mississippi as it relates to Mississippi State. We'll eventually get to that. But let me just start by saying good morning, Sid. How are you doing, buddy? I'm well, Ricky. It's great to be with you today. You and I, we kind of grew up in newspapers that are in a, about the same trajectory. You know, you were a former publisher. You came to the Clearing Ledger. You were involved in, you know, you became a syndicated columnist. You were involved in the Perspective page. Um, you became a real serious thinker about the about the situation of the day in Mississippi, and wrote uh, so many amazing, um, you know, award winning pieces over the years. But it was interesting when I went to look at at sort of what I had to be reminded about. When did you leave and where did you go and, and how did you end up where you are today? I wanted to kind of reorient myself. And what I found is that it was about 10 years ago. February was 10 years ago that um, all the media in Jackson sort of lit up with the fact that you'd be leaving the Clarion Ledger and moving over to Mississippi State to teach communication and political science. It's amazing that 10 years has passed, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know th th they say if you uh, are doing something you love, it never uh, really feels like work. So this last decade has moved quickly, and uh, you know I'm I'm a bulldog. My you know <laughs> my parents, my uh, extended family, sisters, uh, we're we're all Mississippi State people. So. Uh, you know, my, my parents in Philadelphia uh, have been uh, gone on for several years and, and really Starkville feels more like home and this campus uh, feels more like family. So it's, it's been a, a great decade to be here. 
Yeah, you know a lot about Mississippi State. You've written books about Mississippi State. You've written about it. You have a passion for Mississippi State. And it's so interesting that it is part of your career after all you did to prepare yourself for this moment that you're in that role. Um, You know, I had to remind myself, too, about when did you fight lymphoma? I had to get up to speed on that. And what, what was interesting about that was in 2017, that's when I was retiring and sort of going into a new chapter of my life. That changed your life in so many ways, didn't it? Well, it it, it really did. The, uh, um, the the strange thing about it, Ricky, was that uh, I really had no idea that anything was amiss. Uh, in in May of uh, seventeen, uh, I had agreed to do the commencement address at uh, Jones uh, Community College. Uh, in Laurel Ellisville, and uh, they they have two ceremonies back to back, and so there was a morning speech and an afternoon speech. And uh, uh, the night before, I spoke to their uh, foundation group, and uh, something that uh, Judge uh, Charles Pickering asked me to do. So uh, I didn't feel particularly well uh, the night before the commencement address, and then the next morning. Uh, I, I called my wife and I told her I really don't feel well today, but you know it's too late to back out. They're counting on me, so uh, I go and do the speech. And then between the morning and afternoon speech, really kind of uh, unsettling. Uh, but I get home and my you know I go to the doctor. Uh, urgent care clinic was all I could get to, and I, I was really trying to get back to campus to work our graduation the next day and uh went to the urgent care clinic and they said well you know your white blood counts elevated but uh and there was some swelling uh around the jawline and uh they said maybe you got the mumps and i i I sort of kicked into newspaper editor mode now at hell it's not the mumps but i went on uh to work and uh the next day, I went to my regular doctor, and of course, my white count had about doubled. Uh, and so, long story short, uh, uh, he referred me to a hematologist in Tupelo uh, named Jiwe Tan, uh, who grew up in Shanghai, China. Uh, and um, it really didn't occur to me until the admitting folks rolled me on to the fifth floor at North Mississippi Medical Center in Tupelo, what I was dealing with, because when the elevator doors opened, there was the words oncology ward. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, And from there, it was kind of a whirlwind. Uh, He he did a biopsy, had four lymph nodes taken out. and, and he, he comes in uh, close to midnight, and uh, I could tell by the look on his face this wasn't going to be a pleasant conversation. And he said, you know, Mr. Salter, uh, you know, you're in trouble. You have stage four uh, Burkitt's lymphoma, which I'd never heard of. And, uh, you know, he said, we need to begin uh, chemotherapy right now. And uh you know, and I'm, I'm just sort of absorbing this, but I looked at my wife and I said, okay, let's go. And uh, so I started 14 days, 
24 hours a day in the hospital and the chemo was so severe that I had to be in the hospital to take it. And, uh, and I asked the dumb question. I, I said, well, what, what stage is this? And he sort of matter of factly said, well, well, stage four. And, uh, so, uh, I, I knew that I was, uh, in trouble. We did that for two weeks. The chemo was everything you see in the movies or on TV, uh, every indignity possible. And at the end of it, uh, more than half of my blood cells were still malignant. And so he recommended that I go to MD Anderson in Houston and get a second opinion before we continued down the road. Uh, did that, uh, and at MD Anderson, they said, you know, uh, we, we want to tweak one of the six drugs that Dr. Tan's given you, but other than that, uh, he's doing exactly what you need, and I think you can take your treatments, uh, all but the ones we're giving you today, uh, back in Tupelo. So that's, that's what I did. I went back, and I would... Uh, my life was in three-week cycles. I would go in the hospital for eight days. I would take chemo around the clock. Uh, I would, uh, you know, <laughs> I would react to chemo for the next week, uh, and then I would go back to work uh, on campus. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the whole thing about chemo is uh, – you hear about it, you read about it, you see it in the movies till you go through it, you don't really uh, get it. There was one drug I remember. It was the color of a candied apple. It's called doxorubicin. And uh, so uh, the nurses uh, didn't even like to handle it. Uh, but they were pumping this into me and, you know, uh, I dropped about 80 pounds. Uh, every hair on my body eyebrows, eyelashes, all of that out. Uh, I, you know, m most old newspaper guys have the pallor of death anyway, but I really had it at, at that point. And uh, just, it, it was life-changing in that uh, I would do the chemo and then they would roll me downstairs and give me intrathecal chemotherapy, which they go, uh, you know, you're, you're face down, they uh, they kind of give you a spinal tap and then drop the chemo into your spine. And so uh, it, it, it was a hell of an experience. We're visiting with Sid Salter. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue this conversation. What did he learn from that experience and where is he today as he continues to contribute to Mississippi on so many different dimensions? It's a very inspiring story. We'll be back after this break. on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coastview. We have Sid Salter. He's the uh, communications chief officer and director of public 
affairs at Mississippi State University and an old friend of mine. He we kind of grew up in media together. And I, before we continue his story about what he learned from his bout with cancer, just wanted to say real quick <clears throat> that I exchanged notes with Steve Davenport this morning, and he sends his best wishes. Uh, you know, you're, he, he looks back on your two-year stint at, at uh, Tell Us Out the Company, now known as Super Talk Mississippi Media, uh, that that owns this station uh, as as an incredibly productive time and and very fond uh, memories and thoughts and loves loves that you're a big supporter of even Super Talk today. So Steve sends his best wishes. So okay, so we're coming back to uh, you, you went through this. How are you doing today, Sid? Uh, I've been in remission uh, four years now. Uh, next week, I've, I've got a PET scan scheduled, and uh, but I anticipate that it will be clear, and uh, I feel very blessed uh, in that way. Um, you know, the 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 treatment, the chemo, all of that. Uh, like ten months of of this really intense chemo and everything that went with it, but I got into remission. And then uh, what was left after uh, treatment, my balance was shot. Uh, you know, I had I had some deficit, and that was disappointing. Um, I uh, you know right before my 60th birthday, um, but I was still on the right side of the grass. I lived long enough to see uh, you know more grandchildren uh, come along. And, and I guess what I learned from cancer uh, was this. Uh, up until that time, you know, my column was very important to me and it sort of, uh, in, in some ways, uh, defined to me who I was, I thought. But I found out during cancer because I, I stopped writing my column the day I was diagnosed uh, so I could focus on my treatment. And, and frankly, uh, I didn't trust myself to write uh, under the influence of all those chemicals. And so, uh, although I never let it stop me <laughs> earlier in life, uh, but uh, I found out during that hiatus from the column and, you know, when when you get up close and personal with your mortality, my column uh, is not who I am, not what I want to be remembered for. Uh, who I am, hopefully, is a uh, a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather, a good person, uh, somebody who uh, helps build the community, um, and somebody who can uh, serve others. And you know, my first wife Paula had multiple sclerosis and long bout and suffered with it. Died when she was forty five, and of course, she went through that. Uh, I, I went through a you know bout with cancer. I get a lot of phone calls from column fans who run into these challenges, and they they want easy, instant answers. I don't have those kind of answers, but I can listen and I can share information with them, and I can encourage them. And so I think that's that's probably what I learned from cancer. It's a powerful lesson. It, it is. You know, I, I I think back, I had a little health scare myself, which is the reason why I decided to to retire. It wasn't anything nearly compared to your situation, but it was enough to get my attention. <clears throat> and during my career, I always tried to be focused on family. But, you know, the truth is when you're a CEO of a company, it's you have to have a very caring wife. 
and you have to have kids that really understand. And I, I, I think people who saw me during those moments would, would tell you that I did, I was, you know, the best father I could be during that time. But it's when you sort of, all the noise is gone and you're, and you're retired and you're refocused again. You really, I remember a, a moment when I was listening to Ann talk to one of my kids and I literally started to cry. And the reason why was I thought, gosh, this is what Ann, I was so amazed by the deepness of the conversation and the, the way she had sort of become the clearinghouse for the family. And I thought to myself, these are the conversations that I've been missing all these years. And I thought, my God, I, I mean, I, I, I've been given this opportunity to see her in this moment and to appreciate what she was able to do for me. And I'm going to get, I'm going to do everything I can to give back everything I can. So when I, when I read that Coretta Scott King quote, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. That means something to you, doesn't it? It, it really does. And, uh, being affiliated with Mississippi state, um, you know, I, I do feel like I, I'm, in a role here that I trained for all my life, uh, you know, starting in weekly newspapers and then moving to uh, a large daily newspaper. Uh, I had uh, sheet fed and web printing shops uh, during that time. I did uh, television for WTOK for a decade. I did uh, radio for Steve. I actually started in radio when I was 14 years old in, in Philadelphia. So, uh, and, and I understood, uh, you know, digital media and social media from my time at the Clarion Ledger and Supertalk. So I, I felt like I was well prepared to uh, fit this role. And as I remind Dr. Keenum, I spent a lot of time uh, asking annoying questions uh, of uh, people in positions of authority. And now when I'm fielding them, you know, I can bring that experience <laughs> uh, to exchange. And so uh, I, I think it's uh, it's been a wonderful time for me. Uh, I love the teaching. Uh, I, I did that for about five years. And then uh, this job got to be uh, to the point I needed to focus full time. I, I really love the time I spent with Jack Crystal writing the uh, the book that kind of gave Jack a, a victory lap at the end of his career and prior to his death. But, you know, I am the luckiest guy that you will ever meet in that uh, I have had a wonderful career. I've had a wonderful life. There have been some bumps in the road and some heartbreak, but it's, isn't that true of every life? And so it is. It is. Uh, so I, I feel very fortunate and, uh, you know, I look forward to getting to work every day and, uh, and watching these young people on their path. It's been a tough year here for our students, for our faculty, for our staff. Uh, COVID uh, kind of have to put on your big boy pants every day and deal with some of these issues. And and believe it or not, Ricky, one of the toughest things we had was was baseball. Mississippi State people are pretty uh, you know easy going until it gets baseball season. And then, then they're serious about their baseball. And when we had to limit and restrict that last year, and we're still limiting uh, capacity to a degree, that really uh, gets next to them. You wrote a great piece actually about COVID and how we're all kind of getting worn out by it. And you actually had a grandkid during, during COVID. So did I actually, I, I experienced, 
that. And so the column that you wrote about that was so, it was personal to me because it's what we experienced that, you know, the first time I saw my new grandchild was over FaceTime, you know, what an odd time that was. But you closed that piece out. You said this, but in days like this, we, we, we all must diligently search for the light of Christ where we can find it. It is in the glow of that light that we can find our way through the darkness of the pandemic and still hold on to our collective humanity. Welcome to the world, little big man. What a blessing you are. But in the, you know, it's interesting, doesn't it, Sid, how these moments occur in your life, in your case with your new grandson, that brings it all back into focus again, that in spite of all these things, man, there's, we are reminded what in life ultimately matters, aren't we? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I look at the nine uh, grandchildren that we've been entrusted with. And, uh, you know, we, we have a little uh, four-year-old granddaughter who was adopted from Bangalore, India. And uh, I, I think about over the course of my life, how Mississippians have dealt with uh, race and poverty and all these things. Uh, and I uh, I, I have learned so much from Sayla. Uh, she probably had the toughest uh, entry into the world, uh, spent the first year of her life in an orphanage, was abandoned by her birth mother, all these things. And, and she has turned out to be such a, a fountain of joy and inspiration to our family. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, through adversity, uh, we are uh, we are all uh, tempered and uh, you know iron sharpens iron. I, I really believe that. Sid, there's really so much that you and I could talk about. I, 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 I when I was preparing for this conversation today, it hit me that we should have had a whole hour set aside because we're not going to have time to circle back in this this meeting and get into what you and I observed in the media industry and the, and the, that transition that occurred. Uh, I want to talk to you about the cyber cyber center project that, that Mississippi state is collaborating with the other universities on here at Keesler. I want to talk to you about the role that you play uh, at Mississippi state. Uh, you wrote a great column recently, actually about, about China and uh, in people who don't fully appreciate the role that China's played in the lives of Mississippi farmers. I have I spent a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta and, and just had a great conversation about that just this past weekend. And so there's a lot to talk about. So what we're going to do is we're going to reschedule and have uh, our schedule. You, you come back on in two, a couple of weeks and we're just going to continue the conversation if you're game. I'd love that. It's been a, it's been great to catch up. It's good to see you happy and healthy and contributing. And uh, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to have this opportunity to catch up. Thank you, Ricky. Thanks so much. You bet. This has been Sid Salter from, uh, well, he's famous in media in Mississippi, but he's with Mississippi State today, and we'll continue the conversation in a couple of weeks. When we come back, we'll have uh, representatives from the Mississippi Aquarium. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.